This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. You'll find more information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website, churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. Well, welcome back to the Church Society podcast. Welcome uh, to our first episode of our 2022 series. Uh, I'm Ros Clark. I'm the Associate Director of Church Society. And today I'm talking to Tom Creedy. Tom, just to introduce yourself uh, for our listeners, who are you and what do you do? Uh, well, I'm I'm not a director of any kind of Church Society. Um in fact, I'm not even an Anglican, so I hope that I won't get muted quickly. I work for IVP, um, the publisher. I'm a senior commissioning editor there with a particular interest in the kind of chunky, heavy stuff, but also doing some of the smaller things which people actually buy and can have, you know, in handbags rather than on bookshelves. Um, yeah, I'm married to the wonderful Amy and we have two daughters, uh, Elsie and Olive. And we live in southwest London where in probably the most surprising piece of local church naming, we go to the South West London Vineyard, which meets in South West London. So so I should perhaps make it clear to my listeners that I do know Tom a little bit because, amongst other things, he is my editor. Uh, so we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later. But I, I just, I guess I wanted to begin with a bigger question about why there is a Christian publishing industry at all. Why do we need... Christian books why don't we just for example rely on the teaching that we get in our local churches isn't that enough to teach us uh, how to live and uh, love the Lord Jesus uh, in everything we do well I think that I think yeah we wouldn't need anything like Christian publishing if we only had healthy local churches with healthy well-taught well-trained leaders who were always on point managed to do two sermons every Sunday that were different, as well as prepare all the notes for any midweek groups and any topical stuff that comes up, which they'd fit in, you know, part time alongside all their pastoral visiting and national representation. So in some ways, I long for the day when we won't need Christian publishing anymore. Um, But I probably shouldn't say that as someone who works in Christian publishing. I think for me, Christian publishing is important um, for a number of reasons. The first one is really, really simple. Uh, Someone someone said, why do you do what you do? you don't really like detail. You can't really spell very well. Um, you like reading. I get that. But surely you don't do much reading. One of the answers is I do do a lot of reading. Um, but no, I, I, when people say, why are you in Christian publishing? I say, because I love Jesus and I want people to know about Jesus. And to clarify, I mean the Jesus of the Bible. And so I've already made a number of theological jumps from that simple statement. I want people to know about Jesus. And so I want pastors to be informed Um, so that they can do the best possible preparation for their flock. And I want everyone to have the opportunity to engage with scripture and engage with Jesus, wherever they are, whoever they are, whether an app user or can read Hebrew, Greek and Aramaic and Akkadian, all those things. And I'm passionate about all of those people somewhere, wherever they are, gradually being nudged towards thinking about Jesus. And so for me, and with the slightly zany skill set that I have, Christian publishing is a way to do that, to introduce people to Jesus, to remind people about Jesus, to equip people to engage with scripture and culture and all those things. Um, Yeah. And so for me, it starts with Jesus, which then goes towards scripture, which is by and large kind of a book that needs to be kept in print um, and translated 
and checked because our translations aren't infallible. Um, we haven't got the original orthographs. It's good to keep digging away at the archaeology and the linguistics and all those sorts of things. So I think Christian publishing is really important for supporting what the local church does. Um, and to a lesser extent, well, can, I, can I have three R's like a sermon? So uh, first of all, resourcing and renewing. Um, I think Christian publishing can give us what we need to dig into the Bible um, and listen to Jesus and engage well with mission uh, and not losing things from the past. Because, you know, sometimes we lose stuff. Uh, someone like Gerald Bray, who'll be known to many of your listeners, does a great job of compiling massive books that are lists and collections of things that otherwise we'd have no access to. Secondly, reaching and renewing. I have absolutely no ability to speak Chinese or Mongolian, but they're just two of the hundred or so languages that our books have been translated into in recent years. Um, and that enables us to support and reach churches that we can't really support and reach in any other way, particularly churches in China, where it's quite difficult for me to go over and do anything useful. Um, and then recovering and rejoicing. So again, something about remembering good stuff, but also inspiring and sparking and provoking and renewing joy is something that I think books can uniquely do. If you're a bit sad like me, you get excited by the physical book, that's good. Um, but the words in books, I think can remind us of the word King Jesus in a way that is unique and powerful and special. Um, and I've actually, yeah, as someone who IVP pre-exists my birth by quite a lot, I remember growing up with um, IVP books on my shelves and a couple of them were from the 80s. They had marvellous covers, kind of gold foil on a blue background, not really a design choice I'd be allowed to suggest now. And I remember reading some of those books, particularly things like The Cross of Christ and Basic Christianity by John Stott, and just going, yeah, this 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 rings some bells. And so to be able to continue that legacy of what I see as kind of infusing and bottling and selling and distributing joy for the sake of the gospel is really exciting. Great. I feel like at this point I should say other Christian publishers are available. Yes. And some yes. of them publish really excellent books too. Not limited to uh, Christian books, publishers that you may think of, primary release publishers, but also including Church Society itself. And I shall remind uh, Lee that our goal in publishing should be to spark joy and, and see how we get on with that. Um, yeah, great. Um, I mean, that is really exciting. I guess one thing that I, seems really obvious to me listening to you talk about that is we need to think about those pastors and, you know, pastors have a big job. They have to do a lot of different things and they have to pastor a lot of different people in different circumstances and different issues. And I think it is unreasonable to expect pastors to be experts themselves in everything and to, to research everything from first principles and um, do all of that work. And so one big uh, reason I think for, for Christian books is at that level of resorting and training and equipping pastors to do their job, um, as well as um, the Christians on the pews to uh, be able to, to read themselves. So one thing you talked about there was about um, recovering some of the, the wisdom of the past. I can't remember exactly how you put it, but, you know, reading those older books and those kind of things that um, you know, Gerald Bray uh, puts together and, and indeed some of our uh, church society resources, our most recent publication was a modern English version of the homilies that was put together in the 16th century. 
I mean, there's a lot of great Christian books already out there, aren't there? Mm. I mean, even if we were to only read all the really, really great classics from before the 20th century, we would all have more than enough books to keep reading for the rest of our lives. What? Why do we need to keep publishing new ones? Uh, it's a really good question. And I think we don't need to publish as many new ones as we do. Um, and we've actually been on a bit of a journey as IVP in the last few years of trying to reduce the number of books that we publish each year so that every book we publish, we can kind of say, this is why we're publishing it. Um, and that's quite difficult because yeah. people are like, oh, we want more books. We want more books. But actually, that's something we've been very deliberate in doing. Um, and I would say that there are lots of books that have been published which shouldn't have been published including some published by IVP. Um, I probably shouldn't say that, but I have, so it's okay. We'll, we'll get over it. And I think that's I mean, important. It's okay as long as you don't identify publicly yes. which one. Yes, yes, yes. You'll see that we don't do many Lent books, for example. Um, so I think the ones we do are excellent. Yeah, there's only two. There's you and then John, John Stock and Chris Wright. That's the other one. So, you know, no pressure you could say no yeah. i think i think there's there's a serious point there we we do need to be discerning about what we publish and so i would say we consider about 100 ideas a month um in kind of different forms of which maybe five or ten we'll then consider in a, the next level of form so there's a big wide funnel um and another thing i'd say and this maybe touches on kind of some trends in Christian publishing that are really interesting is I think the market or the readership or whatever it is, the zeitgeist, let's go with zeitgeist, is gradually realizing, yeah, there's some good stuff that was published before my great parent grandparents were born. So one of the big standout hits um, of last year or the year before was Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly from our good friends over at Crossway on the other side of uh, the pond. And I read that book and I thought this is a good book, but it didn't blow my mind because I've read the Puritans before. But he does a bit of puritan stuff. And so people are like, wow, what's this? It's marvellous. It's so much better than X, Y, or Z. And, and, and part of me is a bit of a sad nerd, wanted me to go, yeah, yeah, there's loads of these Puritan guys. You know, another publisher, Banner of Truth, they've just got reams of the stuff. Um, and they're usually in quite nifty little small paperbacks that, anyway, that's an aside. So there is a lot of good stuff. And I'm glad to see that just winnowing its way back in. Mm. Um, yeah. And the other thing I would say is this is why I read and review a lot of books. So one of my few gifts is the ability to read quite quickly um, and judgingly. I don't know. Anyway, so in a good year, I'll read 150 books. And if I've really got my act together, last year wasn't a good one. Um, I will write about 50 or 60 reviews, either on my blog or in websites or magazines or journals, that kind of thing. And I think reading reviews by people you trust, I'm not saying you have to trust me, lots of other reviewers are available. The Global Anglican regularly reviews books, usually makes the right decision about them as well. Um, and just reading book reviews can help you go, oh, okay, I don't need to read that. And I think one thing that we've really landed on uh, as a team, an editorial team, market team, is not every book is for every Christian by any means, um, which sadly means pastors probably need a larger book budget uh, than non-pastors. But yeah, so I would say that. That's probably not answered your question. No, well, I'm going back to um, why why we need to keep publishing more and more books. And um, I, I like, I'm glad to hear that not every book that is proposed gets published. And that, in fact, the, there is a conscious decision to try and only publish ones that are really needed. I wonder if you could give us a little bit more of the sort of criteria you might use to say, this is a book that we think, does need to be published 
what sort of, you know, does it always need to be something, you know, new and trendy? I guess 20 years ago, nobody was publishing books about transgender, but maybe now we do need books to be published about that. So there are new things, but are there other things that make you think, you know, this is a subject that there's, there is already a lot of stuff out there, but this book is somehow still worth yeah. publishing. So one thing I'd say um, is I was going to go off on one about a kind of biblical theology of publishing from Genesis to Revelation, but I don't think I'll do that now. What I think I will say, though, is mention John 21, 25, where uh, the author, John, says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Um, and I, I read that or hear that and my kind of inner charismatic goes and then there's also that thing that jesus says about greater things you will do and we can argue about what that means but one of the things i think it definitely means is that there will be more things done in the name of jesus post christ and the apostles and so to me that's justification for books of testimony and evangelistic books that kind of celebrate and share the good news of the gospel things like run baby run for example um, so you were, you were, were of a particular age with yes, that. I yeah, think. exactly. Run, exactly. Run. I don't think it's a big seller now, is it? I don't know. No, it continues to sell. It continues okay. to sell. But that's why I'm really interested um, mm. in what someone like a guy called David Sims, who's a vicar somewhere in the UK, can't remember. He's written a little Advent devotional called Creation to Crib. Uh, and he's also on TikTok. Now, I don't really understand TikTok. I'm too old and too boring. <laughs> but that is a place where Christians, in, his, in this case David, can publish and they can share something of God, something of the gospel in a meaningful way in a new media. Yeah, I've got no idea how TikTok works. So, um, yeah, so that's 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 one thing to say in terms of criteria. I think a key thing that we always want to see and something where established authors often fall a cropper, interestingly enough, is what's already out there on the topic. Yeah. So, for example, um, that's a good example without breaking too many secrets. For example, preaching and funerals. You would have thought that if, you know, half a million people have a church funeral every year, there would be books about preaching at funerals. We looked and we couldn't really find any. So we commissioned There Is Hope, Preaching at Funerals. Um, there's a couple of books that kind of sort of do it, um, whereas we get a lot of proposals for evangelistic books. Nothing wrong with evangelistic books. Love an evangelistic book. But there are quite a lot of them. And so... We always push the prospective author, you know, why this one? Why now? Is it needed? Um, and similarly, commentaries on Romans. If you want to write a commentary on Romans, you are going to need to do a lot of convincing that it's going to be meaningful. I was reading a recent one and it said that since 1900, something like 700 have been written. That's probably enough. Yeah, for now <laughs> um, for now yeah maybe have a little bit of a pause a kind of a sabbatical yeah. from roman's commentary writing whereas numbers less than 50 we need more on numbers. free open field um yep. I was interesting, just thinking about the evangelistic one because we think about that as christians and think well we've read all the evangelistic books we you know they all feel a bit old act to us but we forget that the target audience for those is people who are not christians you've yep. probably read none of them so, you know, they don't care yep. that it's a book that came out three years ago yep. that we've all read a hundred times because it's new to them. And so, yeah, thinking about actually, do we really need another one of these? Well, actually, who is your audience for that? If you're writing yep. the 701st commentary in Romans, it seems to me your only target audience 
is the PhD student on Romans who now feels obliged to go and read another book. Yeah, may, I, yeah I may be doing possibly. I think one of the other things I'd say, and this is maybe something I would take from publishing and apply to ministry. Um, so as, as a, as a large-ish organisation, we go to a lot of professional publishing conferences, which aren't Christian. And so some of the keynotes are wild. It's awesome and bizarre but one of the things that stuck in my head is from a marketing seminar where we were encouraged to think about people not like us mm. and as a christian i hear that and i go oh yeah those who don't know jesus what are they like what do they need they need jesus but how can i engage them with jesus and so we've got an evangelistic book coming out in the summer where and this is a pretty radical idea we actually got some non-christians to read it before we kind of finalized it yeah. and that was really really revealing um and some of what you're saying around they were like their mind was blown they'd never heard people saying this before this is really interesting they also said you don't need this why are you jumping straight onto now go and do christianity explored or alpha or read the bible with someone why why would i want to do that and like ah oh, that's really interesting so that's where this book is a good stepping stone but it can't do everything yes. first book of the homilies church of england's official sermons in modern english edited by lee gatis with a foreword by george whitfield is now available to purchase from the church society website we have editions in hardback for 15 pounds paperback for 10 pounds and a digital version for just 4.99 these sermons first published in 1547 are now available for the first time in an easily accessible affordable version with modern English updated uh, so that it's comprehensible to the ordinary reader, full of footnotes helping you to understand the many people who are referenced uh, and quoted in the texts. The homilies remain a touchstone of Anglican theology along with the 39 articles and the Book of Common Prayer and evangelicals throughout the centuries have found them an enormously helpful and clear statement of basic Christian doctrine and basic Christian living. The homilies contain the fullest and clearest explanation of Anglican sexual ethics, something which mustn't be overlooked in today's debates around those issues, and yet is barely referenced in the Living and Love and Faith materials. So, the first book of homilies, the Church of England's official sermons in modern English, edited by Lee Gatiss, is important reading for every member of the Church of England today. Tom, I wonder, if there are there books that you think, oh, these books, this is such a great book and it's so needed for the church, whether it's a book that you think, pastors all ought to be reading this or, or Christians all ought to be reading this and then you're disappointed that they don't do very well what are the books that you sort of wish would really take hold but somehow don't that you would encourage us to seek out and go and read yeah so um I'll name two recent IVP ones and then one that I have no commercial relationship whatsoever with um so firstly i should have i should have put them on my desk i didn't do that that was silly um and i could wave them so firstly a book by a couple called johnny and joanna ivy called silent cries which deals with pregnancy and baby loss um so my wife and i welcomed our second child into the world just before christmas and last year seemed to be a year in which more people than i ever were aware of were losing babies before they were born um, and it's something that 
I'd probably not really talked about or thought about until this book landed kind of in the process and I had to get my head around it to market it. Um, it's a really moving book. It made me cry on the bus back when you could go on the bus rather than just having a be at home all the time. Um, and I've since given it to some friends, some of whom aren't Christians, who've gone, oh, yeah. interesting. And so I'd say that book, Silent Cries by Johnny and Joanna Ivy, is a book which it's, it's not been a bestseller. That's fine. It's sold reasonably well. But I would hope and pray that listeners, if that resonates with them, if you're a pastor and you're going, how do I pass the situation? Or you're a couple going, what do I do? Where can I go? I don't really want to talk to anyone. That book is really helpful, um, I think. Sounds like the kind of thing that would be good to have on church bookstalls or just around because people don't always want to talk about it very publicly or they don't always know how to say it. But actually, if they see there's a thing that's yeah. there and they think, oh, well, maybe I will just pick that up and and read yeah. it, maybe that will be and helpful. It, and it's a hard topic to kind of get all excited about in marketing. Yeah. You don't, yes. it's not really something you want to go, has this yeah. happened to you we've got yeah that. No. yeah you d don't do that um but so that's the first one the second really one the second one by a guy called richard brash um who teaches at a seminary in japan uh he used to he used to be involved in a small church in oxford called st ebb some of you may have heard of it um he's written a book called knowing me knowing god which is nothing to do with abba or um, Alan Partridge. Or Alan Partridge annoyingly uh, i did pitch it uh no no anyway um, uh -huh. Sorry. Yeah. anyway there's there's a tangent um knowing me knowing god and a lot of people have read and loved god's big picture by vaughan roberts one thing that book does some people don't like it that's fine does is go here's the bible big scary Ooh, ugh, how do i engage with it let's break it down simply through this language of the kingdom of god in about 10 chapters and you go oh okay it fits together lovely so that's kind of sold like a rocket knowing me knowing god is kind of trying to do the same with the entire field of systematic theology, which is a bold attempt. But he starts with that Calvin thing of the sum of knowledge begins with knowing God and knowing myself. And it's quite it's weirdly lighthearted for a kind of introduction to systematic theology. So it's readable for normal people. Um, but, yeah, he does a lot in quite a few pages. And again, that's one which I would warmly recommend, particularly maybe for someone considering ordination and thinking, oh, I'm going to have to go and engage with ideas and stuff. I think a piece of advice, having done some theological training that I would give to a prospective student is know God and know yourself. And that will help you with a lot of the challenges of thinking through big theological issues. So there's and then the third one I've just finished reading, um, which comes back to that question of Jesus is this book from about 20 years ago called who do you say that I am uh, Christology in the church and it's got some it's got uh, five or um, six for the sake of our listeners who can't see the book you just uh, yeah. held up it's it's one of those big chunky books that Tom was talking about earlier that that I would certainly keep on a bookshelf oh it's not quite as chunky it's as not, I thought yeah it's about but it is a hardback and it is yeah. sort of yeah it's quite old it's quite hard to get hold of but it's got it's six essays from um, up and coming thinkers like Tom Wright, Alistair McGrath and George Carey, and then a couple of others looking at Christology. Um, and it kind of it comes from a unique moment in, I think, Anglican history when there was still a significant evangelical lobby within the Episcopal Church in the States. Um, and they basically met up and chatted about Christology. And it was brilliant. And the thing that really surprised me is that there's quite a lot on it in it about deconstruction which is a very kind of sexy on-brand trend word that we could spend a long time talking about, but I won't do. But it's really helpful because it kind of shows 
how to engage with that sort of conversation, as well as explaining why Christology should be a good word that everyone should know. So, yeah, who do you say that I am? Edited by so Donald Armstrong. One, would, you, would you say that's, a, that's aimed at a, a slightly different target than Know Me, Knowing God? Less, less introductory, a bit more? Yeah, less introductory. Um, but I think could, hmm, if I was feeling really cruel, I'd suggest to my pastor that we start a small group for six weeks, looking at each of those chapters um, for people who are maybe thinking about deconstruction and a bit worried about the corners of faith. Because it just okay. really helpfully goes, no, this is why we believe the biblical account of X, Y, Z. So again, something really helpful for those maybe um, uh, studying theology, uh, whether training for ordination or even maybe university students uh, studying around those sorts of issues. Yeah. Great. Um, you've already mentioned this a little bit with respect to a trend of sort of bringing back uh, into fashion some older uh, things, mm-hmm. Puritans and so on. What, what, what can you tell us generally about the trends in, in publishing at the moment? What sort of books are, are hot sellers and, and what sort of things are, are kind of dead in the water at the moment? uh so ros your next book probably won't fall into this category but um we we were looking at some data about what's hot at the moment and witchcraft and paganism has shot to the top like it was it was wild looking at the data so religion has held up which is most of our publishing but this kind of spiritual but not deliberately religious stuff yeah. In the in the pandemic, it's it was kind of like this, and it just went like that. And so, we okay. And again, at, if you could describe that for our listeners. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so, if you imagine a horizontal line that only angles up with forty five degrees, that's yeah. the kind of the shock that we've seen. And so, we're as an editorial team thinking, okay, do we know any former witches? Uh, do we know anyone who's working in the kind of spiritual warfare space who we could ask to write a book? engaging with that kind of things because it's just in infuriating but also really interesting to see that the top sellers in the kind of mind soul body space are all crazy um yeah. so that that would be one thing um, oh well maybe, maybe one of our listeners will be out there thinking well that's yeah. that's my expertise i could do that yeah, if 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 a, li- if, a, if a listener has a story of being saved from being a seventh degree mason with a broomstick and they're now you know worshiping in a church society parish probably love to hear from you that's probably a really exciting story maybe that's the book that we need to be wow. thinking about publishing so, so that was, okay that, yeah so that's one thing you maybe didn't expect um the other thing that i think we're seeing is i'm going to call the trend deeper devotion which is a really encouraging trend so gentle and lowly is a good example of this um rather than and i need to pick my words really carefully rather than a sort of a generic devotional going here is a book of scripture and here is 30 or 27 or 98 studies through it um something like gentle and lowly or julian hardiman's jesus lover of my soul um or at a slightly more readable level terry virgo's god's treasure possession there's kind of these are books which they're not coming out of nowhere they're not flash in the pan but they're deeper and more devotional than a lot of books that we've, we've maybe done or seen recently. And that's a trend that really encourages me that people are, are wanting to go deep into things. I think too of, um, he, he, he divides some opinion on Christian or Christian English evangelical Twitter, but Matthew Barrett over in the States has written a book on the attributes of God, which has sold ludicrously well. And mm. you kind of go, well, that's weird. <laughs> Um, but actually, I think people 
those of us who claim, claim the name of Jesus and want to take things seriously want to go deeper. Um, and so it's really encouraging seeing that happening. And again, I'm, I'm hopeful that that will spark a bit of a trend that people already Christians will go deeper. They'll be more excited. That will overflow into evangelism. More people will become Christians, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. I wonder, would you put um, Andrew Wilson's God of all things into that sort of category? That was a bit that I really enjoyed last year. And again, you know, it is a sort of devotional bit, but it's mm. making people think yeah harder and more deeply about things that they perhaps never had before and so ha having not actually read it i couldn't okay. say but knowing andrew and knowing the kind of the topic i'd say probably yeah. yes because yes. again that's one of these themes that i think evangelicals in particular are recovering at the moment is the importance of stuff yeah. of creation of the material world you know we when we look at the Bible, we're not all just going to be burned up in a cinder and replaced with shiny ghost people. Creation matters and it is renewed. Yes, um, and actually think about it as well. I would certainly also put the book that he did with Alistair Roberts, Echoes of Exodus, mm. in that sort of category. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a really encouraging trend, isn't it, that those books yeah. are, are being read and, and thought through. Um, just give us a hint of something that, that might be coming out later this year that you're really excited about. Uh, does it have to involve you, Ross? No, because I don't think I have anything else coming out this year. Oh, I thought you have a chapter in a forthcoming book about uh, oh, I Anglicanism do. You're in right. the UK. Is that yeah, actually it, coming out? It is actually coming. Yeah, so um, some of you will have heard of the Lambeth Conference run by uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, and Ros is one of a number of contributors uh, from around evangelicalism or evangelical Anglicanism in the UK who've contributed to a book that we've cheekily titled God's Church for God's World, um, which basically hopefully it's going to do two things one is sort of say to the lambeth conference look here's where here's where evangelicalism is and two going to equip um pccs and ordinands to think through what is going on in the church of england so part one where ros's chapter is about laity kind of sets the scene you know how have we got to where we are uh part two is a range of stories from across the church and they really are quite diverse stories um saying you know this is the church that God is building. And then part three is some warnings, some really interesting warnings from Wales, from Scotland, from someone who's left the Church of England um, about what's going on and what could happen. And so it's a book that I think, yeah, will really help people see what's actually happening in a way that, and this is an argument for Christian publishing in some ways, it's not a ranty blog post. It's not a chap in a red jumper, which is what I'm wearing for listeners, waffling on a podcast. It's a book, so people can take it away, read it as a group, read it individually, study it, really think about it, and hopefully it will be a useful tool. So that's reasonably exciting. Um, um, so you said that again, that's God's Church for God's World? Yes. Due out? Uh, I want to say June, but don't quote me on that. I think no. Lambeth is in June, so that would uh, so make sense. Or it might be May. I might think be just May. before. Let's yes. go for, I like May. May sounds good. So okay. I'm excited so, about that. Sometime around May, we'll be excited that that book comes out. I, I When I say finally comes out, it's just because the Lambeth Conference itself was planned. Yeah. And then there, there was COVID. And so everything got delayed by that. And um, But we yeah. think that is happening this year. So yeah, that's the, exciting. Yeah, the copy editor got back to me and said... Um, you keep referring to the 2020 Lambeth conference throughout the volume. And I go, yeah, well that, Oh yeah, no, it's the 20, it's now the 2022 Lambeth conference, which is really the 2020 Lambeth conference. Yeah. So they haven't so, gone down the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Indeed. In 2021. So, that's, so that's, that's one exciting thing. Yeah. I think another exciting thing um, is 
I, I'm sure some of your listeners will be aware of the black dictionaries, um, which you can use to beat people. Um, you shouldn't because, you know, Christ calls us nonviolence, but they're really big, chunky compendiums of scholarship. And there's a second edition of the dictionary of Paul and his letters coming out towards the end of the year. So for people like me, that's really exciting. Um, and then another book, which mm, I think that's probably enough, actually. Yeah, there's other books yeah. coming out as well. You, there are other books coming out as well. That is that is very good. And um, as this podcast is going out, there's only um, a few weeks before Lent. Um, so I understand IVP have two books uh, coming out for Lent <laughs> this year. One of those is by somebody. I mean, I, I, I what was it? What did you say? So John, John, John Stott. Um, but well, then yeah, yeah. So but then sh- there is another one that that we might want to recommend as well. Yeah, so there are t- there are t- we IVP's published two Lent books. We've not re- we've not really published as many as maybe we could because it's quite a lucrative thing. You kind of you print a Lent book and all of the author's friends buy one and then you've you've sold a load of books. So uh, yeah, a couple of years ago we did a book called The Radical Reconciler, which is Chris Wright basically riffing off John Stott's The Cross of Christ and other stuff um, to look at Jesus as a radical reconciler and that's got a purple and white cover looks quite smart um, but I think what Roz is referring to is probably this book by the similarly named Roz Clark it's called 40 women um, she excellent uh, yeah well yeah anyway um, what was I going to say Roz Clark 40 women published by IVP unseen women of the Bible from Eden to Easter now I like this book largely because I commissioned it but one of the reasons I like it is because it's it's about the women in the bible um and i don't know whether your listeners are aware of how the bible story fits together but women are quite important um because they do things like give birth to jesus and save the tribes of israel from getting clobbered um and be the first witnesses of the resurrection it's quite it's quite an exciting thread running through scripture but it's also one that's really 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 like the world we live in and one of the things that i think ros does well again Ross should really be saying this. It's meant to be the author um, promoting their own book, but she's she's doing that wrong. Is um, the way that it engaged with the rea- with the reality of life. So I think, what did you write? Did I don't know. You have to remind me. Yeah, there you go. Um, what I hadn't expected to find was so much contemporary resonance with their stories. There are women here who would have been at the forefront of the Me Too movement, women who can teach us about body image, beauty and shame. There are women whose intensely personal stories of grief and love transcend cultural distances. And for those of you who either can't see the video or can't tell from my voice, I'm a man. Um, and I was really moved reading these stories of these women. This is a book for everyone, but I think particularly for men, because we're so used to not really listening to women's stories, but scripture is full of them. Um, and so, yeah, 40 women, it, it could it could upset some apple carts. I think um, if you're looking for a Lent book that has men in it, it's not it's not the one for you. There are some men, but they're not really. Oh, but they they tend to be bit part players in the background. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Um, I think I did that excellently because I'm I'm not very good at talking about my stuff. So it was nice of you to do that uh, for me. Thanks so much, um, Tom, for coming on the the podcast. I hope it's been an encouragement to our listeners to see that reading uh, is a good thing, that there are great Uh, Christian books out there, uh, books from the past, but also new things uh, coming out that speak to contemporary issues and and situations. And we'll certainly be looking out for uh, God's church for God's world later in the year. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you were able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm-hmm.